Hello and welcome in. It's CFB Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Nick, Xavier, Thanksgiving. How'd it go, fellas? It was great. Uh, had some family in for about a week, which was which was fun. Didn't uh, have to do very much cooking at the, the uh, grocery store uh, takeout, which was nice, and, and then everything else, uh, my wife and, and in-laws helped prepare, so uh, just got to sit and enjoy some things and a, a full weekend of football, and uh, I've been uh, fortunate enough, I'm, I'm really excited to record because I've been shoveling snow the last uh, oh. two days, so uh, yeah, it, it's been a, a long time coming, excited excited to talk some college football. How's your back feeling? Ooh, tell you what. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. You know, we don't have in Arizona snow. No snow. Well, I mean, not in my part of Arizona. There's snow in Arizona and Flagstaff and up north and stuff, but none for me. Xavier, how was Thanksgiving? Eh, it, it was okay. <laughs> um, I had I had a I had Waffle House before Thanksgiving. That was the best food of the day, just to give you guys kind of an idea. You know, but then I got a good message that night. Um, I got an email saying that I got media credentials for the Iron Bowl. So, you know. Nice. Silver linings, silver linings. Very uh, nice. Yeah, so you could have picked a you could have picked a better game. I mean, you know. I mean, that <laughs> defense was not the you know the main course for that one. But uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. But uh, no, other than that, it was it was a really good weekend. Uh, I finally got to see Georgia break the thirty point mark, which was you know refreshing. Yeah, so. it was a long time coming. That's for sure. <laughs> so, uh, what did you think of Week Fourteen, Nick? What what really stuck out to you? Well, I mean, we we saw. First of all, I mean, uh, the game Xavier was was there for the the Iron Bowl was big because it it cleared sort of uh, one big talking point. We don't we don't talk a whole lot about the playoffs, and and, and it seems that that's pretty much unfortunately so. The the main topic of conversation in college football all year now is who's in, who's out, you know, who, who's going to get in or whatever. Uh, but Alabama was right there on the edge and and we were going to be pretty much if they had won that game uh we would have been talking about is Alabama worthy you know this this entire week leading up to these championship games and and uh it would have you know t- probably taken some of these down a notch would have overshadowed a lot of things so on the one hand I'm I'm uh pleased that uh Alabama lost because then it sort of takes removes that uh, from the discussion for the for the next seven days, which is nice. Uh, but uh, on the other, I, obviously our, our numbers were pretty heavy on Alabama, so uh, disappointed to, to see it go that way. But uh, for, for the week itself, I think other than that, uh, things for the most part went pretty much according to plan. Um, we saw the the Minnesota, or I saw the Minnesota-Wisconsin game as a toss-up, obviously Wisconsin- um, <laughs> proved me wrong on that one. They they came out and, and made a statement, but pretty much everybody else, things went pretty much according to plan and, and set up a pretty impactful set of championship games and, and not very many. Uh, it, it doesn't, I don't necessarily expect any upsets this weekend, but uh, every game has some sort of uh, real, 
uh, stakes on top right. of just the conference championship. And I, and I think that's great. So um, overall, for, for that reason, last week really helped set up this week well. Uh, but overall, I mean, it was it was uh, uh, an exciting weekend. It, it spread across three days, which we haven't uh, seen as, as much in a while. A, f- a full uh, day on Friday gave us two full um days of, of games, which, you know, that's, that's always exciting. So uh, a lot of football and, and uh, set up a, a really good weekend this week, I think. And I didn't get to see it, uh, Xavier, but what was your take on the Ole Miss Mississippi state debacle at the end of the game? I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, personally, it, it's like the biggest form of karma you can act, you can get, you put your kicker in a, <laughs> a, a more stressful situation after you decide to be an idiot and, 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 P or uh, hypothetically P on, on the <laughs> fan base, and uh, he misses, which is the be- best form of comeuppance you can you can possibly get. Uh, that was hilarious in my opinion. But that's what rivalry week was for. Uh, some rivalries were better than others. Uh, I have a I have some few choice words for some of the winners of some of their rivalry games. Um, but other than that, I think the week went really really well. Um, and as Nick said, uh, the people who were supposed to win to make this week important uh, to make uh, conference championship not a bore like it kind of was last year. Um, makes this fun. Makes this really fun. It so. does. Nick, does uh, Elijah Moore ever live this down? And did he get uh, his coach fired? You know, it's uh, one. I mean, it, it wasn't even an original celebration. Yeah, I know. DK Metcalf did it. What last year or the year before? Yeah, so, I think two years ago. Uh, right. So you know, zero points for for creativity, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's definitely something that's going to stick around in sort of the lore of the Egg Bowl. I, I lived in Mississippi for a couple of years and really got a, a close up look at this rivalry. I, 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 you know, I grew up in Georgia and, and I was aware of the Egg Bowl, but seeing it from close up, I uh, really got a sense that I, I think. These two fan bases might hate each other more than any others in the country. And that includes Auburn and Alabama. That includes Ohio State, Michigan, all the greats. I mean, these two fan bases, it is it is like nasty <laughs> just how much they <laughs> hate each other. And it's it's 365 days. I mean, they uh, they have sports talk radio in Mississippi that that is just, you know, egg bowl all day, you know, every day. Uh, you can't get away from it. So, uh, it's a a powder keg, you know, when, when those two, uh, teams get together and crazy things can happen. Um, it was a great game, exciting game, but, uh, yeah, that, that one moment, I, I, I don't want to blame, you know, one player for getting a coach fired, but had Ole Miss been able to kick the extra point and, you know, potentially win in overtime, I don't think Matt Luke uh, is out at Ole Miss, and and obviously it it went the way it did, uh, and there's a good chance based on some of the rumblings I'd heard that had Mississippi State lost, then Joe Moorhead might have been out. So uh, that that one play certainly did impact uh, <laughs> the future of both programs. So um, it, it feels silly to, to sort of overstate it, and I don't want to put everything on the shoulders of one young person making you know one mistake, but uh, it absolutely had ramifications, and it's, and it's something they're going to remember there for a long time. Uh, I yeah, I mean it's uh, it's crazy the way that stuff goes and how that played out and most hated really. I mean that's it's kind of surprising to hear to to for me to hear that. I just think Bama and 
uh, Auburn. I mean, they're poisoning trees over there, you know. Right. So and, and you know, and, and and I I could be wrong, but it it just opened my eyes just to the level of hatred. I mean, you know, I I grew up in uh, grew up in Georgia. Uh, Georgia and Florida don't get along very well. Georgia and Georgia Tech don't get along very well, but there's nothing compared to this. And, and anywhere I've lived since, nothing has compared uh, to this. So I'm, I'm sure there are uh, rivalries out there that, that could make that case, but from a, a pure hatred, and it's not like, I, I think on a certain level, um, those, those sort of higher profile rivalries, there's a little bit of a level of, respect for one another i mean i know ohio state has has dominated recently and and uh but but the fan bases at least somewhat respect yeah the, the quality of the other opponent if that makes sense but in Ole Miss and mississippi just my experience was that the two fan bases just uh, hate each other with a passion all year every day and, and it, it was just uh it was uh, took things to a to you know took it up a notch compared to what I expected when I uh, you know had seen it from the outside. Well, let's get to the breakdown of the other games, the games that we covered. And on Friday, we saw Memphis go over Cincinnati thirty four twenty four. And in a weird turn of events, we're going to see them again this week. But Nick, what did you see in the Memphis victory over Cincinnati? Well, the first thing that that surprised me, I don't I don't know that we had heard any news leading up to the game that Desmond Ritter wasn't going to start for Cincinnati. I had not heard anything about uh, a, an injury. I mean, I know he had not played well. I know he had not looked, um, you know, to, to what we had expected in the in the previous few weeks. But um, Ritter didn't didn't start, didn't play. Uh, and, and for that to, to be the case in Cincinnati to really sort of hang in there until the, the end, uh, it's a, a moral victory. There's no moral victories <laughs> here. Uh, uh, but that they were able to, to, to keep it close. And it was a, a similar, uh, played out similarly to, to the way we discussed it. I think Cincinnati kept it close until the fourth quarter and then Memphis was uh, able to, to pull away there in the, in the final minutes and make it a, a 10 point margin of victory. But uh, overall it, it played out fairly similarly to, to what I expected. I mean, Cincinnati was able to run the ball. Uh, Memphis was as good as they've been offensively. I mean, they, they are very balanced. They can throw, they can run, they can come at you at several different directions. Special teams were huge. They had another kick return for a touchdown. So uh, it, it was a, a good performance for Memphis. They were able to solidify the home field for this week. Uh, that throws a, a, another wrinkle into things because, uh, one, I, it, it sounds like Ritter is going to get the start again uh, over Ben Bryant. So after not playing Memphis last week, it sounds like he is going to be back uh, starting this week, but playing the same opponent two weeks in a row in the same uh, stadium is uh, a rare event. So interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, but uh, I, I don't necessarily expect much different in this game uh, coming up. But uh, overall, uh, solid performance for Memphis for sure. Xavier, what do you see in this one? I felt like Cincinnati knew that it had its opportunity to kind of lose this game. I know nobody ever goes to a game wanting to lose the ball game. I'm not, I'm not saying that really, but you, 
Yeah, well, 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 you know, I mean, some of these schools, you know, that get paid at the beginning of the season, I mean, they don't care whether they win or lose sometimes. But um, I think I felt like Cincinnati did not show the entire playbook against Memphis. Um, they they, they kind of kept it close to the chest and said, you know what? Uh, we're going to keep it as close as we possibly can without our uh, normal starter. And if we come away with a victory, amazing. But we have next week to punch them in the mouth, win the game, and possibly get to a New Year's Six anyways. So how about we, you know, don't we, we don't pull out all the stops in this game and, and hope for the next one. Um, I think Memphis, Memphis showed its toughness and showed that it can play with Cincinnati. Um, from a defensive perspective, that was the one thing I wanted to see from this was who was going to get the most stops. We know Cincinnati's defense coming into this game was marketed as the better defense, but I thought Memphis played well defensively. Um, regardless of whether it wasn't the starting quarterback or not, they went out there and did their job. Um, and from Cincinnati's standpoint, you know, th- I think that this game is going to be not completely different, but it has to have a shade of difference with Ritter at starting at the starting quarterback position. Um, you know, I feel like having the backup quarterback come into such a big game, like I said, the, the playbook's not nearly as deep. You know, anybody who says anything differently is probably lying to you. Desmond Ritter is going to come in with a with a you know a better understanding of what Memphis is going to want to do. Um, watching it from the sidelines, and you know they might come out firing a different way. Um, and I think that this game is going to the balance of this game has been shifted because Memphis wins. Uh, Memphis is at home. Um, I think that that obviously makes them you know a favorite. But I, you know, all in all, I thought Memphis looked really well on Saturday. Uh, going over to uh, the big rivalry game in the big house here, Ohio yes. State. 56 to 27 over <sighs> Michigan. We all had this as a 30 point game, right? I mean, uh, this was uh, not a fun one if you're a Michigan fan. Uh, one of my guys on the sports grid, uh, Sean Guastamaki, a huge Michigan fan, uh, took the weekend off to go to Michigan to watch this game. Uh, mm. Needless to say, he wants Jim Harbaugh fired. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, Justin Fields, 14 to 25, 302 yards, four touchdowns, did get a little bit banged up. Uh, for a while, this was looking like Shea Patterson's best game as a yeah. Wolverine. But J.K. Dobbins was just too much for Ohio State or, uh, excuse me, Michigan to handle. So what did you uh, what do you see in this one here, Nick? Well, I, I the biggest takeaway for me is when you're playing Ohio State, the margin for error is non-existent. I mean, you, you have to sort of hope that Ohio State makes mistakes. You have to capitalize on those mistakes, and then you have to play almost a perfect game. And, and Michigan was hanging in there. You know, obviously, uh, they, they went down, scored, first drive, feeling great, Harbaugh sal- you know, celebrating on the sidelines. But then Ohio State answers immediately. And then they, they you know, trade possessions and, and both teams are scoring and things like that. Michigan in, in the late uh, second quarter, mid-second quarter, driving down uh, and, and has a fumble there with a, uh, you know, scoring opportunity, fumble, turnover. Ohio State takes it 84 yards uh, over nine plays for a touchdown to make it 28-13. So that, that was a huge swing in momentum there. And then the following uh, series, Michigan again is going on offense, has a scoring opportunity. They drive 70 yards and have a, a touchdown that, that was dropped in the end zone, had to settle for a field goal. So uh, only you know a few seconds left in the half after that. 
Ohio State gets the ball, comes out, scores a touchdown, and it's all of a sudden 35-16. And in the period of uh, what just seemed like the blink of an eye, Michigan went from in it to basically it's over. And Ohio State was was just relentless. Um, we've seen two years in a row now they've put up uh, 50 points on Michigan on, on one of the most talented defenses, one of the most respected defensive coordinators, Don Brown, in the country. So incredibly, incredibly impressive performance uh, from Ohio State. Justin Fields, it, it sounds like, um, you know, he's, he's going to be a, a bit banged up. The knee is is not 100 percent. I also think that there's a chance that the hand or the wrist is not 100 percent. So that's certainly something worth watching. But uh, you mentioned J.K. Dobbins. He's been incredible, um, you know, and, and Fields, to, to, to for him to sit out a, a series or two, whatever it was, and then come back and just throw a beautiful, perfect strike for a touchdown pass, really just sort of, uh, you know, you have to think Ohio State is, is <laughs> our, you know, the best team in the country. They, I think I tweeted out like on, Saturday. on that on that pass. I think I tweeted out, man, that looked bad. It looks like he's really hurt. And then he comes back in like five seconds later and throws this beautiful touchdown pass. And I was like, uh, I guess he's okay. So, <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, I mean it looked it, bad, and then he's right back. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, Ohio State clicking on all cylinders. Um, they they looked fantastic yet again. Hard to see anything getting in their way this weekend. I know we'll talk about it more, but um, you, you pretty much just have to play perfect football against Ohio State and, and hope that they do something, uh, you know, hope that they make a mistake and, and they just, they don't make very many. How much, how much of this did you watch before you turned it off and discuss Xavier? Because you sounded disgusted when I brought it up. I, I'm, I'm more disgusted from, from Michigan than I am Ohio State. I think, uh, as we know, I said last week was going to be the crazy week in football. I went two for two in my upset picks, um, based on rankings, not necessarily which team was better. But, um, man, Michigan just, they fell flat again. And, you know, this is, in my opinion, this was Ohio State's best game. Um, I know at least, you know, people are going to point to that Wisconsin game. And, yeah, you know, that, that that would probably be 1A for me. But the offense this game didn't let up. And I think that that was what, what was so impressive to me. Um, against teams like uh, Penn State, and even uh, Michigan State earlier in the year, they started off a little slow, or they had a lull in a quarter or two. Not in this game. They put um, they put 14 up in every single quarter, um, just to show how potent that offense was going um, on Saturday. Um, as for Michigan, another year has gone by. Another pair of khaki pants have been set on fire. <laughs> um, you know, Ohio State. Going into this week, I said, you know, maybe Ohio State isn't the best team in the country. You know, maybe let me let me calm down. Let me watch this game, um, you know, really closely to see if I can find any weak points. And honestly, outside of the lack of consistency from the offense at times, and really it's only been like maybe one quarter they go for zero points. But it's 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 never like too big of a lull. That was it. And this game that completely decimated that argument. They're the best team in the country. Uh, I don't know. I, as as of right now, we'll talk about it in a second. What Wisconsin has to do on Saturday to even have an opportunity to 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 hang with these boys, but uh, they may have something drawn up. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, Ohio State's going to be interesting moving forward because I think like uh, like Nick said, you gotta you gotta be perfect if you're playing them, and yeah. I don't know, but Justin Fields is banged up, and how much is will he become more banged up? 
after the Big Ten title game. I mean, just so much going on. Uh, we'll get to that when we talk about that game, though. How about the Iron Bowl that everybody predicted? 48-45, <laughs> Auburn over Alabama. And this was not as close as the score, Nick. Not even close. Well, I I, I might disagree with you on that. Um, mm-hmm. Auburn played very, very well. And they uh, certainly took advantage of Alabama's mistakes. I mean, this, this was sort of... Uh, the in in some ways the opposite of the Ohio State game. Alabama uh, had to throw two pick sixes, uh, have a funny situation with the clock at, at the end of the first half that allowed Auburn to kick a fifty-plus yard field goal, and then uh, um, you know a mental error on sort of a, a, a funny situation there at the at the punt at the very end to get a penalty uh, to to end uh, any chance of a, a last uh, offensive uh, scoring opportunity. So all of those things kind of had to go right for Auburn to, to pick up a, a three-point victory. And and certainly it's not, you know, I, I don't want to take anything away from it. The, the crowd was uh, incredible. The atmosphere, I'm sure, Xavier could speak to this, was amazing. Um, it, it was a back-and-forth contest. It, it, you know, it seemed like it could go either way the entire day. Um, and I, I haven't haven't brought this up much, and and um, certainly there are plenty of situations where you know my numbers got very lucky to to cover or win or or whatever it was, and and uh, Notre Dame and Stanford was one of those situations. I was on the the right side of a, a horrific beat um, uh, there at the at the end, but uh, this was a situation, and and I I remember I brought it up. At the very beginning of the year, the first game of the year, um, the numbers, you know, I was looking all summer and, and looking forward to it and felt strong that that Florida should be about a 10 or 14 point favorite over Miami. And it obviously played out uh, to where it was much, much closer than that. This game left me with a similar feeling in that I, I feel like the numbers were were really right on. I mean, if, if it weren't for a 100 yard pick six, that's a 14-point swing, Alabama probably would win this game, uh, if not by a touchdown, by double digits. And then, you know, my, my projection is is sort of right on. So um, things like that happen all the time. I mean, I, I get plenty uh, that I, I can put a check mark when it probably should have been an X uh, because of other, you know, fluky things right. that go my way. This was just one that, that goes the other way. But, but I do still feel... You know, in a high-profile spot in a in a big game like this, even with a backup quarterback who, by the way, threw for 335 yards and four touchdowns against what you know could be uh, one of the top, definitely one of the top defensive lines in in the country, one of the most talented defenses in the country. Uh, that that's a pretty impressive performance, and it's a backup quarterback. Um, so I I feel pretty good about this, even though I lost, even though the team that I expected to win by close to two touchdowns actually lost the game. I don't feel bad about it. I feel like it, it, you know, everything sort of had to fall in line for Auburn to win. And it did. And, you know, full credit to them. They deserve it. They won. They played a great game. And as I said before, I'm, I'm, uh, kind of happy about it. Cause we don't get to, you know, we don't have to hear, <laughs> Oh, is Alabama going to get in all week? So, uh, they, I think they did the college football world, uh, sir, you know, uh, uh, 
does a favor by knocking off Alabama in that sense. But on the other hand, felt pretty good about how it played out that, that every single thing it seemed, you know, Auburn had to get all the breaks and they did. Um, and, and Hey, they won. Congratulations. How, uh, what was the atmosphere like Xavier? It seems like it's just so much fun. It was, it was amazing. I mean, I've never been in an atmosphere like that. Um, I had the opportunity to go up to Duke earlier this year. Uh, while well, they played Georgia State, and that was crazy. In basketball, yeah, in basketball. Yeah, let me make sure I preface that statement. Yeah, it was it was basketball, uh, and, and and that was crazy. Um, this beats that by like a hundred. Every play was like deafening. I, I was in the second half. I pers- uh, purposely wore uh, headphones just so I could focus at times because if not, it was like ridiculous. I was like, what is and, and the craziest part about it is it was probably 85, 15%, 85% Auburn fans, 15% Bama fans. And at times you could hear the Bama fans from the opposite end of the stadium. It was, I, I don't, I've never been in an environment like it. It was ridiculous. Uh, but when we get into the game, let, let's not get, let's not sugarcoat it. Alabama was the better team on Saturday. And it's unfortunate that they lost. I'm happy they lost because now I don't have to hear the rest of my friends and, and the rest of the fan base talking about how they should be in. Uh, but they were the better team. Mac Jones had two pick sixes, one of which, if he just throws it in the dirt, they're fine. He literally throws it off the buttocks of Najee Harris. <laughs> the linebacker, you know, innately, you know, looks for the football, catches it, takes it to the house. Uh, the other one was, a, again, a throwaway where he throws it into what looked like triple coverage from where I was standing. And you just were like, it's going to get picked. Uh, but, yeah, Alabama was the better team. Uh, the defense played better. Um, they, they, but this defense is not your typical Alabama defense. I was talking, um, and I don't know if you guys follow me on Twitter, you would have seen this. Um, they've given up 25-plus, including this game, to now six teams on the year. That happened last year once. Um, and I think that we have to be honest with ourselves and say that this Alabama team just – wasn't it isn't it wasn't your normal Alabama team. The offense was prolific and, and that was great. Najee Harris is great. All the receivers had an amazing day. Jalen Waddle literally had I, I created a highlight tape literally off of this game <laughs> from him. Um it was that impressive. But that defense really struggled uh, to 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 not give up points and to not give up long drives. Auburn all of their scoring drives, if I'm not mistaken, were were long drives and that's not typical of an Alabama team uh, you know typically you, you feel like you're, you're running into a brick wall and that's not what it looked like on Saturday and Alabama didn't have to I'm sorry Auburn didn't have to do anything impressive I expected Gus Malzahn to open up the playbook and run the, you know reverses and option routes and halfback passes they just ran the football they ran the football Bo Nix made impressive throws when need be for the first time all season out since the Oregon game and Alabama had no answer. And and I think they still have not recovered from the Clemson National Championship game. This defense still has yet to not give up the big play or has yet to give up just holes in the defense for no reason. Uh, Like in that Clemson game last year, I still feel like there's some hangover there a year later. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it just it was a weird situation because it felt like felt like Bama was playing from behind, and you just don't see that from Bama basically ever uh, for the entire game. So that's kind of why I felt like this this game wasn't as close as the score. I understand what 
you guys are talking about as far as um, you know the results and the stats and all that stuff goes by. But it just when you watch that game, it just felt like Alabama was always trying to come back from something, and they were there a couple times and then not there. And you know, in typical Alabama fashion, I think you you kind of thought that, um, or at least in my mind, it was kind of a you know, oh, they're gonna co- they're gonna overcome this, they're gonna overcome this, and then like Nick said, the pick six in the end zone was the whole thing. Like that, just that was pretty much the entire game. But let's go over to another huge Big Ten matchup where uh, we had Minnesota and Wisconsin, and all I heard all morning long was smart money is on Wisconsin. Why are they being so disrespected? Uh, they lost one game. But uh, then here comes Wisconsin to just absolutely stomp Minnesota, 38-17. to 17. Fun snow game to watch this one into. And Minnesota jumped out on top real quick, Nick. But, uh, you know, uh, Wisconsin with the hammer here. This was a, this was a runaway. Absolutely. And uh, everything I said about Alabama and Auburn, how I felt good, you know, even though I lost – Technically, on on that one, I feel pretty good about uh, the numbers and how everything set you know set up. This the complete opposite. I mean, <laughs> Minnesota, uh, I, you know, had them projected to win this game uh, to just but just by one point. Everybody but, did. I uh, didn't. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but you know, I heard literally no one take Wisconsin in this game, and I couldn't believe it. I I was just like Wisconsin. I know they lost to Illinois, and that's a terrible loss. Ugly loss, all that stuff. And then they got beat by Ohio State. We talked about earlier before, you know, when you play against Ohio State, you have to be perfect. You're not perfect. You lose. That's what happened. But they were they shut out four teams before those games and have looked solid afterwards. So I just couldn't believe that no one was taking Wisconsin at all. It just surprised me. So, um, yeah, we're definitely not the only one. (laughs) Well, and and Minnesota had just improved so much i mean the the they were putting up solid team performance ratings each week and and uh plenty of people have brought up you know early in the year who did they play uh but they beat penn state which was a a quality win they played it close against iowa who has been in my top 20 all year um and, and you know they they just uh they they came out looked great i mean the 51 yard touchdown to rashad bateman and i thought all right you know here we go this one's gonna go (laughs) this one's gonna go my way minnesota's looking good and from there it was just i mean wisconsin you know they 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 uh put the lid on the top of the defense they just slowed things down and and just started to bully minnesota and and uh wisconsin uh doesn't you know typically have a talent, you know, quote unquote, talent advantage. They don't recruit at a super high level, and I think it's it's uh, you know these two teams were pretty evenly matched as far as our roster strength ratings and all that stuff goes. But uh, Wisconsin looked, be- I mean, they looked stronger, they looked faster, they looked just a, the the better team, and and uh, it certainly played out that way. Uh, and they really didn't even need. Jonathan Taylor, for the most part, I mean, he averaged 4.2 yards per carry, got a couple of touchdowns, but only 76 yards. It was one of, what, three times this year he's been held under 100 yards. But, uh, you know, Quintez Cephas has been great all year for Wisconsin, has provided a big play uh, receiver 
for the offense, something they really missed last year. Getting him back has been huge, and and Jack Cohn looked great. I mean, the the weather was certainly an issue. You would have thought that these two teams would have relied more on the running game, but uh, the Wisconsin defense just shut down Minnesota's run game after the one big pass. They they the the biggest gain the rest of the day I think was 25 yards. Uh, there there was a 36 yard run, but the the other longest pass play you know, was not a huge play. So um, Wisconsin did a great job keeping Minnesota in check. They were able to pick up just huge yards through the air, um, had a 70-yarder on a screen to uh, Garrett Groshek. Uh, the 47-yarder the to Cephas was a big play, and, and uh, Cohen averaged 12.7 yards per pass, which is, um, you know, that that's 10 sort of the magic number. 12.7 is is an excellent uh, performance. Wisconsin was just the better team, and, and they proved it. Uh, on the road, big-time rivalry game, division championship on the line, and uh, they rised up, uh, rose up to the uh, to the occasion and, and played, if not their best game, one of their best games all year. Xavier, we weren't surprised by this, right? No. No. <laughs> you guys I mean, got me on this one, yep. Yeah, it was, it was one of those things where no matter – I, I felt so confident in Wisconsin because I felt that they were more battle tested. Um, and I know that Minnesota picked up that huge victory um, against Penn State at home. But, you know, before then, uh, they had played relatively nobody, um, you know, and, and then they lost to Iowa. And that kind of made it click for me, which said, OK, they're not like Wisconsin's. I'm mean, not sorry. Minnesota in no way is a bad program and a program that's just been living on and, and feeding on bottom feeders. But they're just not consistent enough for me to say, okay, they're going to beat Wisconsin. Um, and for me, Wisconsin, I don't know whether or not it needs to snow again, uh, but Jack <laughs> Cohn had his best game of the season. I mean, I, we're talking about a guy who has struggled for the most part all season. Um, he's not, he, you know, in a win against Northwestern, he didn't throw a touchdown and he threw an interception. Um, but this game, 15 of 22, 280 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, if they can get that from him this week coming up, they might have a chance. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be a torrential snow inside that dome. But um, otherwise, Wisconsin's defense once again held up um, as they have customarily all season outside of the Ohio State game. Um, they once again held another opponent under 20 points. That's every game except for Penn State, Northwestern, and Ohio State um, and Fresno State. So, yeah, I mean, Wisconsin, if if that quarterback Jack Cohn is hitting their stride at the right time. It, it's the time to do it. You know, you, you've got this game to win the division title, and you've got this week coming up in the Big Ten Championship game. So uh, they, they they need a similar uh, performance from him coming up. Uh, how about Oklahoma 34 over Oklahoma State 16? I think we all kind of saw this one coming. I mean, uh, you know, we this is a little lower scoring than you expected, Nick, but the the point total was right in line here. You had it by 13. Oklahoma wins by 15. Uh, not really a close game, although Oklahoma State stuck around for a little bit. But uh, this was a, as they would say on the solid verbal, kind of a, a crock potting where uh, you're, you know, you stay at arm's length, but you're done from the beginning. So what did you see in this one? Yeah, it, it seemed like Oklahoma pretty much had control of this game throughout and and uh they as they do scored on their first 
uh, offensive possession. Jalen Hurts ran it in, and and uh, you know it, it looked like sort of uh, you know here we go again. There's another huge day for Oklahoma, and and you know 34 points is certainly uh, a, a solid day, but uh, they were not quite as explosive as they typically are. I mean, Hurts was under 10 uh, yards per pass. He he only got 61 yards on the ground. Um, but, uh, Oklahoma, I, I think you're absolutely right. They just sort of, they were in control and, and they just sort of slowly drained the life out of Oklahoma state. And, and it ended up, um, uh, the, my, my projection, uh, was I, I didn't give enough credit to the Oklahoma defense and they had a really solid day. I mean, Chuba Hubbard had a hundred yards, but he only had 104 yards. I mean, they, they kept him in check, uh, kept him. Uh, his longest gain was 22 yards. Uh, that in itself is is probably a win. He has been so explosive. Uh, he and Jonathan Taylor, you know, one and one A for, for best running back in the country. But Hubbard has just been uh, so explosive. And for them to, to keep him uh, at bay, keep him, you know, sort of contain him, uh, bend, don't break sort of situation, that was that was excellent for for Oklahoma. It's a great sign for uh, this weekend. And then, you know, they they really didn't give up many big plays in the passing game, and and they were solid on on uh, at both ends uh, defensively. A, a really good performance. And again, it's it's a it's a good sign because Oklahoma State, I, I think we could argue that is more explosive offensively. Than Baylor, uh, Oklahoma State obviously has been banged up, quarterback out, a top wide receiver out. But uh, if if Oklahoma is able to keep Chuba Hubbard and, and the Cowboys in check like this, that's a really good sign for uh, Saturday for sure. So a uh, solid win. It was not. Uh, I, I think even the final score looks a little bigger than it was. It seemed uh, not that Oklahoma was ever in danger, but it seemed fairly close, but then they got that late touchdown and, and sort of pulled away. But a uh, solid win sets up a huge Big 12 champ- uh, championship game, uh, but they, they need a big win, I think, uh, to, to leapfrog Utah. What did you think of this one, Xavier? This was, uh, you know, not really close. Like I said, probably a crock potting uh, with Oklahoma going over Oklahoma State. You know what? <laughs> and and I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on a short little rant. I'm, uh-huh. I'm going to go on a short little rant because this <laughs> Oklahoma team, honestly, I, I I fear them getting into the, the playoff. And not because I think that they they actually beat somebody. I fear them getting into the playoff because this team is riding on the back of Jalen Hurts as if he's a camel in the desert. This is not this – this Oklahoma team is Jalen Hurts and CeeDee Lamb. Now, no disrespect to Kennedy Brooks, you had a great game. Yet – when you look at the stats, Jalen Hurts had three touchdowns, one receiving, one rushing, and one throwing. He has had to do this. I forget, Nick, I think you brought it up after the Baylor game. Uh, his usage rate in this year has is the highest in, in, in college football this year. You know, he goes, this team goes as far as he does. And we saw what happened when they played Baylor. He had one bad half, one bad half, and they were down 28 to three. I fear to see what happens if he has to play a, a, a decent defense that can actually you know, hold them for three to four quarters and what the rest of the team is going to do. Um, we, we've seen them with back-to-back Heisman winners in Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. And I don't think either one of them had to do nearly as much 
as Jalen Hurts has had to do for Oklahoma to just be where they're at. Let's be honest. They, they were on the precipice of losing four games out of their last five. Against Kansas State, they did lose. Iowa State won by one, Baylor won by three, and TCU won by four. This Oklahoma team, in my opinion, is, is not impressive. You know, I think they're getting they got lucky with Alabama losing because right now their case for being in the champ in the playoff over a, a one loss or would have been a one loss Alabama team would have fallen way short. Um, this Oklahoma team for me has to show me a lot this week against Baylor for me to 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 to, to shout their names from the rooftop to to go over a team like Utah because they have just been so unimpressive from the standpoint of the other twenty one players not named Jalen Hurts. All right. Well, are you guys ready to go over to conference <laughs> championship week? I mean, I, I, th- this is this is exciting. These are all big games here. And Nick, we start with Oregon at Utah. Um, or is this a neutral site? I can't remember. Is this a neutral site game? Yes. Yeah, they're playing in uh, Santa Clara. All of, all of right. these games. Uh, all the the power five are neutral sites. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, this one, neutral site in Santa Clara. Uh, Utah is favored by four and a half points. The over is 50 here. Um, I mean, what do you think in this one? I, there's not a lot of mistakes because Tyler Huntley and Justin Herbert are uh, fairly mistake-free. So, um, you know, I, I, guess, I guess one mistake could break this game. Or who do you think is better if they play mistake-free football? Yeah. So, so, uh, first of all, I mean, we're, we're going to go, we're going to go through these, uh, five games and usually I'll, I'll, uh, really rely heavily on, oh, this is what the numbers say. This is the projection and, and all of that. And, uh, I think I've said before that most weeks are point, our, uh, point spread projection on average for all the games has been between three and four points different than the Las Vegas odds makers. So, uh, I think that that's, Fairly tight. There hasn't been a huge, uh, you know, too many huge gaps from week to week. This week, things are so tight. The uh, the point spreads that that we used for when it released uh, for our patrons for our final score predictions last mm-hmm. night, uh, those were within uh, 1.7 points of the uh, Vegas lines. So that that just shows that. This week, I mean, I, I don't, as far as the numbers, they really aren't going to re- reflect any huge um, edges in, in any of these games. So, unfortunately, I'm going to have to rely on my own opinions here, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> go, unfortunately, go the, I know, right. go out of the box. I, I do use the numbers sometimes as a crutch. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the this game opened at four and a half. It's moved up to six and a half, and our numbers have it at six. So right now, uh, would be rooting for uh, Utah to to uh, pull it out. Earlier in the week, I, I think the number I, I set it up against might have been uh, might have been four and a half or, or something. So I don't I don't know who I'm rooting for in this game as far as the numbers go right now. But uh, it, it you know it seems like a very uh, two evenly matched teams. Um, Utah has really taken a step forward offensively. We've seen great, great quarterback play from Tyler Huntley this year. Zach Moss is one of the best running backs in the country. I know the the PFF guys have been drooling over him all year. Um, Huntley has gotten a little bit of, you know, background Heisman buzz, like, hey, we should talk more about Huntley. Yeah, Burrow's probably going to win, but we should talk more about Huntley. I've, I've heard that more and more recently. So, uh 
offensively, they've, they've got weapons. And, and this team has uh, really just been uh, putting it to their opponents in the second half of the season, basically since they lost to USC, one, when Moss was hurt uh, for the game, and, and Huntley was also banged up for a little bit there in the middle of the year. So um, this team is now basically fully healthy, and Oregon is not. They've been banged up all year uh, at the receiver position. They're not at full strength there uh, still. Um, the running backs have been a little bit banged up. I think everybody is set to play in this game, but, um, you know, they, they have not seemed a hundred percent in the last few weeks. Uh, their top linebacker, uh, Troy Dye has been playing with a cast on his hand basically all year. So he's not necessarily at his full, uh, you know, 100%. He's basically playing one handed. They've had some injuries in the secondary, their, uh, electric freshman pass rusher, uh, Thibodeau got uh, a hand injury. He's questionable to play in this game. So uh, from a from a uh, pure health standpoint, Utah's in a, a little bit better uh, position. Uh, Herbert hasn't looked, you know, hasn't looked as, as good the last few weeks either at the quarterback position. So I think right now Huntley might even give Utah a, a slight edge. But otherwise, these are, are fairly evenly matched teams. Uh, Oregon is the eighth. Strongest roster in the country, according to our numbers, Utah is 12th. Uh, Utah has played better week to week. They rank 7th in team performance. Oregon ranks 14th. Um, and, and you know, th- those aren't huge gaps one way or the other. But Utah, I think the health is is something that is going to be big. I mean, they're, they're basically operating at, at their maximum potential uh, have been in the second half of the year. And, and Oregon, we saw them slip up against Arizona State. Uh, Herbert has not been, you know, himself or, or what we thought he could be uh, in the middle of the year. He, he's, you know, not not uh, one of the top players in the country. Hasn't played like that recently. So uh, I think I feel fairly confident that Utah is going to be able to, to get a win. Uh, their defensive line is one of the best in the country, playing just suffocating defense. Their secondary, they've got two of the best uh, defensive backs in the country back there. Uh, I, I've spoken often about my love for Utah. I think this is uh, one of the toughest teams in the country. One of the, uh, you know, they, they play incredibly hard. They're, su- uh, you know, sound fundamentally. Um, Oregon certainly could win. They, they are capable, they are talented enough to compete here, but I think Utah is just a little bit more complete, a little bit more polished, and, and a little bit healthier. So I feel pretty confident that Utah is going to win. Our, our final score projection is uh, 27-21. That seems, you know, that seems maybe a little high. Maybe it'll be something in the in the 21-17 range, 24-17, something like that. But uh, I, I feel pretty good about Utah. Uh, getting the win, and then they might still need a little bit of help. But uh, I think if if they are to sneak into the playoff, um, this is a team that can give somebody some trouble. I mean, that score seems perfect to me. I think that that's probably right in the realm of what it's going to be. And I think this line is hard to pick from, two six and a half points. I think I would take Utah, but I don't think there's going to be mistakes. So I think you just got to go heads up. And I I think I'm taking Utah in this game and – they didn't win it last year, but they were so hurt. I don't think Huntley even played, right? So mm-hmm. it was uh, kind of a mess last year. So what do you think awesome, about? Awesome. Yeah. In the 
Pac-12 championship game last year. So yeah, this is this is uh, from that standpoint, that's a great point. They're they're uh, much healthier compared to when they were last year in this game, for sure. Right, exactly. So I think they they know what the uh, opportunity that they have here is. So they're not going to let it slip away. If, if it deviates from being a one touchdown game, I think it's a Utah beatdown. So uh, Xavier, how do you see this one playing out? Well, I, I'll go first off by saying I think Utah wins this ball game. They're the hotter team coming in. Uh, you know, they have yet to struggle in a game since early November, and that was against a Washington team that we all kind of thought at the beginning of the year had a chance to win the Pac-12. Before then, you know, they didn't really struggle um, outside. You know, since the USC loss, they haven't let up a team. They haven't let a team other than Washington go uh, plus 20 points. Uh, That defense has been lights out since the USC game where let's be honest, the USC receivers really won that game. I mean, it it was like playing, watching backyard football. USC was just kind of tossing it up and the receivers were going to get it. Um, But Oregon is a team that plays up to their competition. Uh, Oregon is one of those weird teams that plays down to their competition, but they also play up. So I think it's going to be a really good ball game. I think Utah is healthier. I think they're the more confident, a hotter team. They're also the team that uh, has played and been in this game before. Um, although Tyler Huntley didn't play in it last year, a lot of the other guys did. And I think that they're going to be wanting to finish off their college careers with a win. Uh, they're going to want to ho- hoist the, back, uh, the Pac-12 championship, which they probably felt a little bit slighted last year coming into that game, so unhealthy against that Washington team. Uh, so they have experience there. I just see everything is just positive for Utah to win this ball game. I mean, that makes me a little bit scared uh, that there's so many positives on the side of the Utes, uh, where Oregon could, you know, play their best game all season and get and win the game. Um, but I think Utah is just overall the better team, and and, and if anything, they're the more confident team coming into this game, which is going to be why I ultimately choose them. Uh, Huntley and, and Moss have been lights out, and like I just said about the defense, not giving up 20 points to an opponent since USC, which was in October. No, late no, late September. Uh, that's very impressive outside of Washington. So that's very impressive, and I think that they'll continue that line this week. Uh, that defense is really lights out. So I think, Nick, your score is dead on. Let's go to the Big 12 where Baylor is playing Oklahoma in Jerry World. In this one in Dallas, uh, it was uh, the line here is Oklahoma by eight and a half. Sixty four is the over. I think these are both appropriate, seeing what uh, seeing what happened last time. And I think what Xavier said is you need to stop Jalen Hurts. And if you can figure out a way to do that, you can beat Oklahoma. Uh, Nobody really has up to this point. So uh, outside of Kansas State. So I, I just don't really see that happening. So I think that Oklahoma wins this game. I don't know that uh, eight and a half points is a fair line. I think it'll be closer to uh, four or five if I was making it. But I do expect it to be high scoring, uh, especially after Baylor put up 60 last week. Yes, they played Kansas, but uh, we saw hey. them uh, getting ready for this game. But uh, what do you think, Nick? Yeah, I, I I think you're right. I mean, you know, uh, Oklahoma, you, nobody's really been able to stop Jalen Hurts. Even in the Kansas State game, they didn't stop Jalen Hurts. They they you know forced some mistakes, but uh, he still uh, almost led them all the way back, very much like he did against Baylor. I mean, led the, right. the biggest comeback in school history in that that game earlier this year. Um, I I wrote a couple of 
things for Athlon Sports this week. And, and uh, usually this time every week, I, I start to feel a little bit old. Xavier does a good job of, of making me feel old on a weekly basis. But uh, well, I think I, I'm older than you. Does that, does that make you feel any better? <laughs> well, I, I felt incredibly old as I was writing uh, these things. I wrote about Baylor and I wrote about Wisconsin. And they were both, you know, five five things to watch and, you know, how can they pull the upset in, in this week, basically. And in both situations, and I'll get into this in Wisconsin as well, but I think it, it makes maybe more sense to, to point it out as the key thing for Baylor. I wrote about time of possession and, you know, feel feel a little like a dinosaur. Nobody talks about time of possession anymore. And it's understandable because it, it really doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter. You you just need to take care of your scoring opportunities and be efficient on offense and, and take advantage of the opportunities you get. But when you're going up against an Oklahoma who is so explosive, can score from anywhere on the field, can score in the blink of an eye, I think there is something to, you know, a, a strategy to say, all right, we need to slow it down a little bit. We need to limit their opportunities. You know, obviously Baylor is not army but last year army just played keep away the entire time against oklahoma and it got them to overtime had a chance to win basically a coin flip in overtime they could have knocked off oklahoma so i'm not saying baylor needs to do that i'm not saying they need to you know drain the play clock every single uh play but they do need to do a better job of holding on to the football in the second half of the uh, first game this uh, this year, Baylor uh, had the ball for five minutes in the second half. Over five possessions, they had the ball for, for right around five minutes. They didn't have a single possession that lasted longer than one minute and 32 seconds. And during that time, Oklahoma was able to uh, basically, they, they Oklahoma won the second half 24 to nothing, and so they won the game. Oklahoma had the ball the entire second half. So, uh, you know, one thing that, that goes into that, Baylor did a horrible job getting off the field on third down. Oklahoma was eight for eight in the second half on third down conversions. So, you know, th- those two things right there, I think, are going to be the big things. Baylor has got to get off the field. They have not done a, a, a great job this year forcing three and outs. They really need to, to step that up defensively. This has been a, a, you know, depending on what metric you use, this Baylor defense is anywhere from a, a top five to a top 10 unit, you know, depending on what your preferred stats are uh, defensively. So, you know, they're capable of giving Oklahoma trouble, but they've got to do it when it matters most on third downs. And and they do have to play a little bit of keep away, I think. That's going to be their, their best chance is to limit you know, how many times Jalen Hurts gets his hands on the football. And if Baylor can do that, then I think they've got a chance. But if they try to match Oklahoma, you know, uh, you know, if they if they if they uh, let Oklahoma uh, dictate the tempo, dictate the game like they did in the second half of the of the first uh, matchup, then it's going to be a long night. It would not surprise me at all if Oklahoma opens it up, wins this by two or three touchdowns. But uh, I, I think Baylor learned their lessons. I've I've sung Matt Rule's praises plenty here. <laughs> I, I know he learned mm-hmm. uh, from that second half. I know he learned from the from the uh, you got first all your game. Letters. 
He did. I hope so. I don't know. I haven't heard back, but uh, I, I I am confident that he will, you know, change things up somewhat, won't make the same mistakes twice. But Oklahoma is, you know, they're very, very uh, they they often drive the the flow of the game and Baylor needs to do something to disrupt that and, and forcing a few three and outs, getting off the field on third downs uh, really are. are their best chance here to, to keep it close. I think they'll be able to score. Charlie Brewer seems like he's healthy, played last week, was able to get some rest in the second half. Uh, the running game is is improving. They had a big day against Kansas, uh, you know, for, for what that's worth. But um, I, I think Baylor has what it takes to keep it close. I don't know that they win. Uh, personally, I, I – Part of me really hopes they do. I, I would like to see Baylor win this game. I would like to see him sneak in the playoff. But um, I, I just don't know if I see it. I think Oklahoma is just stronger from top to bottom, and they just, uh, they're just they so explosive on offense. It, it's going to be difficult to, to keep Jalen Hurts down, keep Oklahoma down. But uh, our final score projection uh, is Oklahoma 38, Baylor 30. Uh, I do expect it to be a one-score game. Not you know do do think Baylor can can keep it close, but I think Oklahoma uh, should win and will win. What do you think of this one, Xavier? Well, uh, personally, I know the first time I, I we did this game, I said it was going to be a blowout. I was wrong. I'm going to go with that same uh, ideology again. I think this is going to be ugly. I think this is going to be ugly in Oklahoma's favor. Um, Nick, I know you talked about the second half time differential. But the overall game differential, Oklahoma had the ball for 41 minutes to Baylor's 18. Oklahoma turned the ball over three times to Baylor's twice, and Oklahoma had seven turnovers. I'm mean, sorry, seven penalties to Baylor's one. For the most part, Baylor played a perfect first half, and they still lost the ball game. If I'm Baylor, you know we talked about how you know, and we'll talk about how Ohio State, you know, to beat them, you have to play a perfect game. Well, Oklahoma played one of the worst halves of football they've played all season and was still able to come back and win this ballgame. I think it's going to be very difficult for Baylor at a neutral site, not at home, to keep this Baylor, this, this Oklahoma team down. Um, J- Jalen Hurts, there, there were tweets at halftime of that game of him being benched. Uh, this is by Oklahoma fans. I mean, it was bad. And yet Oklahoma was still able to come back. And honestly, if if Jalen Hurts doesn't fumble again in the second half, the final score would have been somewhere of the range of like 41-31 because he was fumble he fumbled going into the end zone. Um, Oklahoma's just, in my opinion, just the better team. I think Baylor had the 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 uh, the upper hand as far as home field advantage, and Jalen Hurts had a, a really bad first half, uh, which was able to, they were able to get a leg up. On uh, on Oklahoma in the first matchup, they don't have either of those luxuries. Uh, they don't have the home field advantage luxury, and I don't think Jalen Hurts will make nearly the same mistake. I definitely don't think he's just gonna you know put the football on the ground and walk away from it like he did in the first game. Oklahoma would have to once again have one of the worst halves, and in this case, the worst games of football that they've played all year for them to lose to Baylor. Um, I like Baylor. I think they're on the right track, um, and the the way that the rest of the Big Twelve is going. Um, they can honestly be the, the the team that challenges Oklahoma throughout the next couple of years if Texas doesn't get it right. But this is not it. This is not going to be their first Big 12 championship win in a long time. Uh, I think Oklahoma wins this game pretty handily. Uh, yeah, I, I I hope they don't, but I think they probably <laughs> will too. So we'll have to see how it plays out. But let's go to y'all's championship. It's LSU 
versus Georgia. And uh, this one is uh, in Atlanta. And LSU is favored by seven points. 55 is the over here. I mean, does Georgia have a chance in this game? They're really banged up, Nick. Uh, DeAndre Swift is hurt. Uh, Cager is out. Pickens is suspended for the first half. So beyond what they are already normally limited on the offensive side, they have injuries to go as well. It seems like everything is stacking up against them. So seven points not be may not be enough in this game as far as the spread goes. So how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, seven was uh that that's moved a good bit i mean uh, it opened at four i was a little surprised when i was i was actually talking to my father-in-law uh earlier in the week and and it was the first time he had like actually looked at all my spreadsheets and all that uh sort of stuff and i was <laughs> i was looking at uh talking about the the projected point spreads he lives in nevada and he fills out a, a parlay card each week so he was he was intrigued but uh uh, so we were, we were talking a little bit about this game. I, I told him that uh, at that time, this didn't take in uh, last week's games into account. But uh, at that time, I projected LSU to be about a seven-point favorite, and that seemed low to me. I thought that it would open around nine, nine and a half. So I was really surprised when this opened at four. And, and the gap has closed as far as uh, our projections go because Georgia put up a, a huge performance last week against Georgia Tech. I mean, not the, the uh, toughest opponent from a uh, power ratings perspective, but uh, Georgia really did play a solid game. I mean, they, they did some good things on offense. They were uh, as good as usual on defense, and they, they were able to close the gap a little bit um, with LSU uh, in some of the metrics that, that we use. But LSU was just absolutely dominant in their game against Texas A&M. I mean, 50 to seven, it was, it was over, you know, the second drive. I mean, LSU just, just uh, came out and absolutely dominated for 60 minutes. And it was very, very impressive. I mean, Texas A&M somewhat similar to Georgia has, has uh, all the talent you could ask for on the offensive side of the football, but they've just not been able to put it together. And, LSU was was able to take advantage. I mean, they were able to shut uh, Texas A&M down, and I, I'm a little bit. I, I, I'm wondering, especially you brought up the, the injuries at the receiver position. Uh, I think those are going to be big because Cager has certainly been Fromm's favorite target when he's healthy, and he's been really effective. He is a big target uh, that you know is physical and capable of making some plays against. Uh, that very very talented LSU secondary, but he's not going to be there. You know, Pickens made a made a mental mistake there in the in the second half, cost him uh, after he had already been suspended in the first half. By the uh-huh. way, uh, so you know that that uh, is is not <laughs> not a great uh, uh, situation, but uh, that hurts hurts as well because he is a five star talent. Very athletic, has made some big plays this year. And when he came back in, the the you know short time he, he was on the field against Georgia Tech, he came up big. Uh, was was obviously their best uh, receiver on the field. So you know guys like 
uh, Blaylock are going to have to step up. Uh, guys like uh, Simmons and, and um, Robertson, you know, th- those uh, sort of players who really haven't had huge games. I mean, Simmons looked good last week, but they're going to need something out of that group uh probably you know above and beyond what they've gotten this year uh, or certainly in the last you know back half of the season um because lsu's defense is starting to come around they are uh in the top 10 in the country enforcing three and outs that that probably would uh surprise a lot of people that, that they rank that high and they're actually also uh top 20 uh i'm not sure if you guys have seen uh, Max Olson of The Athletic used to be with ESPN, but he, he started doing a weekly column where he uh, outlines uh, something he calls stop rate. It includes uh, three and out percentage, and, and um, it's a it's a great column. It came up today, but uh, you know LSU ranks 17th in stop rate and, and ninth in forcing three and out. So that's that's solid. I mean, uh, when you when you put that against a Georgia offense that has not been explosive makes me think that that LSU you know might get the better of that matchup and I can I can I've just been blown away with the LSU offense all year they've just been so fun to watch they can hurt you through the air on the ground from any point you know on on the field they can score Georgia has been very very good defensively this is a top five unit in the country, statistically speaking, but you know the the part of that I think is uh, that, that that they you know the the offense um, has in some ways helped the defense. It, it's not that they're you know playing at a snail's pace or or anything like that, but they have done a, a you know the sort of what I was talking about with Baylor and and what I will talk about a little bit with. Wisconsin, they have done, uh, played a little bit slower pace, keep the ball away from opponents somewhat. And and I think that has helped the defensive numbers some. They're going to need to do that against LSU to, to limit uh, LSU's scoring opportunities. But with, with Swift, not 100%, sounds like he's going to play. Not sure what the running game is going to look like. Harrion's been good. The offensive line is getting healthier. Um, but they're, they're going to need to extend some drives. They're going to need some guys to step up. Uh, at receiver so that they don't, you know, go three and out and give LSU just extended and, and extra possessions. They're they're going to need to move the chains, uh, and and I'm just I'm not sure. This is really starting to to feel like an LSU ten point victory at least. I think that LSU uh, the progress they've shown on defense. If you're a Georgia fan, that does. Uh, scare you i think i mean last week's performance was really really good and they've been better than maybe we've given them credit for i know they've had some bad games and they gave up some big plays and old miss wore them out but Georgia's not going to do what old miss did you know jake Fromm is not going to uh be a weapon on the ground like john reese plumley was uh former georgia commit John Reese Homley, by the way. So that, that <laughs> makes you feel a little a little sad as, as well. But uh, yeah, so so the more I, I think about it, look at it, I, I think LSU's got the better of this matchup. And and I think, you know, our final score projections 28 to 20. That is probably giving Georgia some credit, holding LSU down, kind of kind of, you know, that that score to me would say that Georgia sort of dictates the the tempo here and i'm not sure that's going to be the case i would this one could go sideways it could be a 
you know, two or three touchdown uh, victory for LSU. I, I think they're just, you know, the more complete team. I think that their talent, you know, it's it's on par across the board, every position. And I think LSU has an edge, some key uh, positions, the, the biggest being receiver. They've just been incredible all year. And that offense, it's it's. I don't know that Georgia's going to be able to, to slow him down. So <laughs> you're trying to find uh, a way. I'm trying to you're find trying a way. Trying to find a way. Trying to find a way. But I'm just not sure play. I can do. It. <laughs> yeah, Xavier, how much is LSU going to win by? I don't. Okay, so <laughs> let's, let's 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 start off with. I mean, I think. I think Are you going to do it too? Oh, oh, I, I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm doing it. Um, oh. I don't know what. Nick has been, you know, maybe he's he's still on the itis. I don't see what progression this LSU defense has made. They had one good game. All right, let's not get it twisted. They gave up 20 points to an Arkansas team that didn't belong on the same planet as these guys. They gave up 37 points to a Mississippi team who lost a coach because of a peeing celebration. Uh, this, this, this LSU defense is not good. That's just what it is. We're just going to put it as it simply is. There's a reason why they fell to two. And there's a reason why we have yet to call them a complete ball club. Their defense has been a, you know, a wet napkin all year. It's just, they, they're not a great defense. They don't tackle well. You know, there's always, it's, it's, for some reason, there's always holes. Uh, they gave up 30 plus to a Vanderbilt team that, as we've seen throughout the year, has not been good. And, you know, it, it, it's one thing to say LSU's defense has, uh, is going to be able to stop Georgia consistently. It's another thing to say that they'll be able to shut Georgia down. Uh, the narratives going into this game are similar to the narratives that were going into the Alabama-Georgia game last year. Alabama was this unstoppable offensive attack. They were ridiculous. You know, I, they, were, they were midway through the season. It was like, is this the best Alabama team of all time? You know, Best team of all time, we thought. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was really... Crazy, and I think that everybody kind of saw. And although Georgia lost the game, Georgia's defense made Tua look human for the first time in his career last year. And and we've seen Joe Burrow look human. We have to go back to 2018 for most of those highlights, but we've seen him look human. And I think that if I can put a hat on anything, it's going to be that this Georgia defense is going to be ready. Um, like Nick said, I don't know what the offense is going to do. Um, however, we saw Auburn, who Georgia made look. Very, very pedestrian for most of that ball game. Have success on the road against this LSU defense. Uh, you know that, that the score, final score was 28-23, and and we can honestly say if we go back and watch those highlights, that Auburn should have been closer in that game, um, and maybe should have upset LSU if it wasn't for the fact that Bo Nix really had a bad game. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing whether or not Jake Fromm can finally rise to the occasion. He's never been afraid of the occasion. We saw that in his freshman season. But he's going to absolutely have to do it this week, especially with George Pickens being out. Um, I think that watching your offense score 52 points, and I think that that helps boost the confidence of that offense a little bit, if anything. Uh, and, you know, but for me, uh, it, it comes down to what, whether or not whose offense. Uh, I don't think LSU's defense is great, but I don't think Georgia's offense is, is good enough either to exploit all of their holes. And I don't think George. I think LSU's offense has gotten a little bit more of a padded lead as far from the uh, the narrative is concerned. Um, against Florida, they were good, but Florida was banged up at the time. And against an Auburn team, which is the best defense that they've played all year, they struggled. Uh, and so we'll see. I got Georgia winning this game, twenty-seven 
to 23. Um, I think that Georgia's defense, for the first time all year, makes Joe Burrow look human, similar to what they did against Tua. And their only saving grace last year was the fact that they had Jalen Hurts as a backup quarterback. I don't know who LSU's backup quarterback is, but uh, hopefully for the third time, we don't get beat by a backup quarterback in a championship game. Um, I think Jake Fromm actually comes to play, and the LSU defense, which we all know is subpar, plays like a subpar defense like they have all year. Um, and Georgia, you know, makes a compelling argument to be in the playoff. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not, um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I knew Scott was going to be like, huh? I, I okay. just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see what you're seeing. Uh, I look, uh, you, you just talked about how LSU has won games against banged up teams and Georgia's banged up right now. I just don't think that they can score even on uh, LSU. I think that they can score a little bit, but I think this game is like a 24-10, 21-10, something like that. I think it's going to be lower scoring. I think LSU is going to buckle down on defense a little bit. You know, they're just they're not great on defense, but it doesn't matter because they put up whatever, 48 points a game or whatever dumb total it is. It's ridiculous. So uh, I think LSU just outscores Georgia and you know we know that the rules in football now are, are always geared more towards the offense so give me uh Georgia and LSU kind of easy is Clemson Virginia even worth talking about I mean <laughs> yes, it, it, 28 yes. and a half point favorite for Clemson all right Xavier you can start it 28 and a half points 55 and a half uh is the over here Virginia has a chance where like how does it happen does the, I, mean, I don't think it's gonna be 28 and a half does there the bus go. crash I mean, uh for Clemson like <laughs> how how do we get how do we get Virginia uh, in this game, Xavier? I mean, you can drink every time Clemson scores. That'll make it fun. Um, <laughs> but I don't think 28 and a half is what we get. I, that's the only thing I think that Virginia stays within 28 and a half. I honestly think that they may score a garbage touchdown to make it like 26 and really just really hurt some people's pockets come Saturday. Uh, but more so, I'm watching this game because I really want to see how Bryce Perkins plays. Uh, the last time he played against a defense anywhere near the style of uh, of Clemson and Notre Dame's, he 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 had one good half. And and I and this is more so for Bryce Perkins' draft stock than anything. If they lose, they lose, and nobody would be surprised by that. But if Bryce Perkins can have a good game against this Clemson defense, which untested, but regardless, is Clemson could do a lot for him. Uh, Come, come uh, as far as his draft stock is concerned. Um, I think it's going to take an absolutely amazing performance for him to win uh, this ballgame. Uh, Clemson at no point this year has looked even close to getting upset outside of the North Carolina game. Um, and for, for, for Virginia to play an absolutely amazing game, that's, that, that's the only way I can see it happening. They might surprise us like North Carolina did a couple of years ago um, and really hang with this ball club. I don't think anybody gave North Carolina a chance to win that game either. Uh, but Clemson, th- th- for me, Clemson, once again, has to show how good they are. Dabo Sweeney, stop your crying. Please, please <laughs> stop your crying. You, you, you played a, what, what, is, what is it, 65th ranked, or it was in the 60s as far as strength, is, uh, strength of schedule is concerned by the end of the year. Don't don't sit there and say the the media has been driving a narrative. You you did this. You didn't schedule anybody with a number next to their name. You hope that the rest of the ACT could come and perform, and they haven't. Boo hoo. Um, so yeah, but Clemson should win this game handedly. And if they don't, we're just gonna hear another press conference of Dabble crying. So, I mean, Nick, the reason that we haven't talked about Clemson the whole year is because the spreads are always 
around 20 or 30 points for whoever right. they play. So uh, this is we're all the way to the ACC championship game playing on a neutral field uh, in uh, North Carolina. I, I, what are we doing here? Like, is this <laughs> is Clemson just going to absolutely stomp Virginia? That that's what our numbers think, and and I talked a lot in the preseason, the early season, how we really didn't uh, think, you know, the, the numbers really didn't respect Virginia, and they certainly, uh, I was nervous that they were going to prove me wrong, and, and they did. Uh, the numbers, fortunately, have caught up a little bit. Um, our power rating for Virginia is they're number twenty nine in the country. They're only twenty third in the playoff ranking so you know feel feel pretty good about that but uh clemson has yeah we haven't talked about them because nobody's given them uh you know any (laughs) since since the north carolina where they the 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 near upset against north carolina in overtime uh or or late late fourth quarter could have could have gone to overtime went for two uh that you know they they just haven't been challenged they they sort of uh, that was their wake-up call, and then Clemson from that point has been just incredible, absolutely incredible, just just murdering teams, and that is sort of what the numbers expect in in this one. And and uh, you know Xavier, like you, I, I am excited to see Bryce Perkins. He is a a very uh, dynamic player, can do a lot of really really good things, but. Uh, Clemson, you know, he has not played a defense like Clemson uh, this year, and 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 you know, Clemson has been uh, in several metrics the best defense in the country. There's there's a uh, a guy I've I've had a couple of conversations with. His name's Rob Bowron, who uh, runs uh, Beta Rank and uh, Smart College Football. Uh, really, really, you know does a does a great job uh really breaking down a lot of different uh analytics and and uh, his his numbers are very very strong they tie a little you know more toward uh team performance than than mine do mine more on the the player uh individual level but uh his metric has clemson as the number one defense in the country that uh max olson uh what I was talking about his his numbers before with stop rate and three and out percentage, Clemson is number one in both of those, and the uh, the the three and out percentage is, is somewhat laughable. Clemson has forced their opponent to punt or you know, uh, and fifty one point eight percent of their possessions, you know, more than half of their possessions, opponent uh, opposing offenses are going three and out and punting. Second place, Appalachian State, forty three point nine percent. So that that is just an unbelievable gap. Clemson has been dominant, and I know that that the first thing that pops up in in people's minds is, oh well, they're not playing anybody. Well, you know, there, there's a case to be made for that, but they have uh, they they've done the best with what they've got since North Carolina, and they they've been just elite defensively. And, and I, I don't think that Perkins has enough around him uh, to, to really, really challenge. I, I know they've got some good players. Um, you know, Wayne Tulapapa is a, is a definitely a, a, a red zone uh, running back as a, as a, you know, has had some success, scored a lot of touchdowns. Joe Reed, electric return man, good receiver. Uh, Hasis Dubois, same thing. Terrell Jana has had some good games, 
but I just don't see those guys getting loose against Clemson. They have been so suffocating on defense that that I just <laughs> uh, our final score projection. This is probably the biggest edge that we've got of the week, which does make me nervous. I mean, four touchdowns in a in a conference championship game is is somewhat ridiculous, but we do expect Clemson to win forty one to ten. That seems about right to me. I think Clemson. Uh, offensively is is I mean Travis Etienne is certainly worthy of of being in the conversation with Chuba Hubbard and Jonathan Taylor's best running back in the country. Uh, their receiving core is deep and talented, explosive, um, and, and you know Trevor Lawrence has looked in the second half of the season like we expected him to look all year. He's been incredible in in recent weeks, and and people just haven't been paying much attention because most of the games are over by halftime. So uh, that group compared against and, and the one area where Virginia uh, really has been hit hard on injury is in the secondary. And they rank uh, 55th in pass defense statistically and 77th in yards allowed per pass. They've allowed seven and a half yards per pass. I think Clemson is, is just going to uh, be able to do whatever they want through the air and 41 might be a little low. I, I would not be surprised at all if Clemson puts up 50. And funny things can happen in a champ- uh, conference championship game. We've seen Clemson stumble uh, at certain points in in you know 2017, 2016, lost games they weren't supposed to. But right now, this Clemson team seems different. They are number one in our team strength ratings. They have been since Tua's first injury, and that made me really nervous because I thought, you know, Ohio State, man, they look so great. LSU, they've looked so great. You know, Alabama until last week, until the injuries have really sort of taken their toll, uh, you know, thought maybe they needed to, to be back in that number one spot. But uh, each week I feel a little bit better about it. And right now I, I feel pretty good that, that Clemson uh, is is a legitimate national championship contender uh and and they would be as far as our numbers go the favorite over anybody else in the country on a neutral field so i feel pretty good about that i think they're dominant i think they're an elite team no weaknesses and uh virginia is going to have to play perfect to to keep it close and i don't see it happening the last conference championship game is a big one here I think this one is closer than your Clemson and, and uh, or your LSU in Georgia one. Ohio State is uh, a 16 and a half point favorite against Wisconsin. The over in this game is 56 points. We've seen this one played already, but Nick, how do you see this one going in the conference championship? Uh, we mentioned it before with Ohio State. I mean, it's, you're going to have to play perfectly. And I, I can repeat a lot of the things that we said about uh, that from, from when we were talking about their game against Michigan last week. And I could probably repeat a lot of the things I said and, and wrote about, you know, about Baylor with Wisconsin. Wisconsin is going to need to, to play a little bit of keep away, limit Ohio State. It's offensive possessions, and that's going to be very, very difficult because this Ohio State team is one of the best defenses in the country. A lot of the traditional statistics, they're number one, uh, have been in in a lot of metrics all year. So it's a top five unit, unquestionably. Uh, Chase Young was was absolutely dominant dominant in the first matchup. Jonathan Taylor did not get going. He had a a career-worst rushing yardage total, rushing rushing yardage total, uh, surpassed his only other game against Ohio State in the 
2017 Big Ten Championship was his previous worst day. Uh, both of those two games were his lowest uh, rushing yards per attempt uh, in his career came against Ohio State. So they've had his number. He needs to break out. Uh, the Wisconsin offensive line is going to have to give Cone some time to operate when they do uh, choose to pass. They're going to need Quintez Cephas to, to get, uh, you know, take a deep shot with him. They're going to have to, to uh, you know, find a big play somewhere, whether it's a screen to Taylor, whether it's uh, Taylor getting loose for the first time against Ohio State or uh, with Cephas. They're, they're really going to need a big play uh, to sort of, you know, capture momentum, but they're going to have to pretty much play perfectly. They're going to need to try to slow Ohio State down. If Justin uh, Fields is healthy, I don't really see it happening. Our numbers uh, project Ohio State to win by 19, so I guess that's about as, as big of an edge as we have in the Clemson game. We've got a final score, Ohio State 36, Wisconsin 17. Um, that seems about right. Maybe it'll be a little bit lower scoring, uh, but Ohio State, I, I think, is going to come out and you know put the exclamation point on the regular season and, and say we're worthy of that number one seed. And, and uh, I think they're going to win this game by a couple of touchdowns, maybe even uh, three or more touchdowns. Seems to me like uh, the Buckeyes are just too strong in this one. Yeah, I think uh, Ohio State is too strong. Uh, the only thing that I would say that Wisconsin has going for them is a banged up Justin Fields, and yep. uh, you know that is he would have to play subpar uh, still for Wisconsin to have a shot in this game, Xavier. So is that kind of how you see it going too? Yeah, it's got to be, and and then even if he is at a you know an injured Justin Fields, we're still not talking about J.K. Dobbins, which has destroyed. It every top 10 rush defense he's played all year um so yeah it's gonna be tough for wisconsin to get over the hump like i said i think the the x factor is jack cone if he can play like he did this past week and, and go for 280 and two or three touchdowns and take some pressure off of jonathan taylor and that offensive line uh for having to you know in, in that regard that's the only way to win this ball game he has to step up for them to win yeah i think I don't think that one's going to be close. I think Ohio State wins that one. And we have five other games to cover, but we don't have time to cover them. So you're just going to have to go to our Patreon at uh, at CFP Winning Edge, uh, at patreon.com slash CFP Winning Edge, and check them all out there. Right, Nick? That's right. We do final score projections for every game all year. Uh, we've also, of course, got the other five, the G5 conference games. Uh, see a, a couple of edges there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, do do check us out. All of our patrons, every level gets access to those projections uh, each week. And then we're already looking ahead to next year. So as teams are eliminated from postseason contention, we've been going through making updates to the depth charts, uh, highlighting what guys are out of eligibility, uh, going through and noting who's leaving for the NFL draft. And uh, I've already started the 2020 FBS team profile. So our tier two patrons have access to that. It's got over 11,000 uh, ratings. We're, we're tweaking a couple of our uh, metrics next year and, and uh, really excited to get that going. So uh, if you are interested in, in getting those final score projections, sign up patreon.com slash CFB winning edge. If you're interested in seeing how uh, everything shook out from 2019, all our player ratings and all of that, and looking ahead to 2020, hoping to have that uh, complete 
by the February National Signing Day. So uh, all year round, do check us out, uh, patreon.com slash Edge. All right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for uh, this week. Good luck in all your bets. Remember, you can hit us up on the Twitter at Bogman Sports, at CFB Winning Edge, and Zat at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E, uh, if you have any questions for us on these games. But have a great weekend, everybody, and we will see you next week. Take it easy. Sorry, I kind of had to wrap it up quick there at the no, end. No, you're fine. No so, worries.